the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Thanks so much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free-for-all Friday edition of the Bob France Authority. It's the twenty-sixth morning of twenty-sixth morning that would be of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Really appreciate you being with us. We really are going to have a free-for-all today until ten thirty. I've got one guest scheduled for the day today. Coming up at uh, ten thirty-five, we're going to talk to Alexandra Levine, who is trying to lead. A Jexit. A what, you ask? Well, you know what Brexit means, right? It's the British exit from the European Union. You know what Blexit is, right? You've heard that one? That's the black exodus from the Democrat Party into the world of free thought instead of being told what to think. Well, Jexit is the movement of the Jewish exit from the Democrat Party. For the very same reasons, Alexandra Levine is pushing that, and we're going to talk to her about that <laughs> coming up. Excuse me, at ten thirty-five. But between now and then, we are guest-free for the first ninety minutes of the broadcast. So it's a true free-for-all edition of the Bob France Authority. Dial now, and we'll get you on the radio without much wait at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers gets you here. If you would like to leave a message for me, but without uh, waiting on hold, you can send that message to me at. Uh, France Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Parlor, and those are indeed two demonistic, um, or demonic would be a better word. Yeah, way to invent a word there, France. Uh, two demonic liberal censorship sites and one decent site where free speech is actually celebrated. I posted on my, speaking of social media, I posted on my, uh, Facebook page, France Radio, yesterday in response to the Bob Mueller testimony. Uh, a link to an article that I found to be the very best summary of the Mueller testimony that I've read. And I read a lot of articles 
And the best one came from David Harsanya at The Federalist. And I gave you a part of that on the air yesterday as well. The very best summary of the Mueller testimony that I've read. I have since uh, been made aware of two other tremendous pieces. Number one was in the Wall Street Journal by Kim, uh, Kimberly Strassel, headlined, What Mueller Was Trying to Hide. His investigation was about protecting the actual miscreants in the collusion hoax. Not just about getting Donald Trump, but it was rather about protecting others. And I'm going to share that part of the story with you in a minute. The other one, though, and the one I want to lead with this morning, appeared on, are you ready for this? You're not. CNN.com. Holy goodness, CNN let this article appear on their website headlined, Mueller's report looks bad for Obama? What? 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 I, I know. I feel the same way. I'm just. I'm kind of like shaking my head. What does that mean? First of all, Obama is actually getting some press here. The president of the United States, the man who presided over this country when the Russians were attempting to meddle in our elections, and the man who, according to evidence uncovered in this investigation, told the or the uh, uh, the um, FBI agents, the rogue FBI agents, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, under the direction of Andrew McCabe, and prior to that of James Comey, that he wanted to be kept abreast of all of the situation involving uh, uh, what they were trying to do to Donald Trump as far as spying on him with a phony warrant obtained through the FISA court by way of a dirty dossier presented to them, a phony Russian misinformation dossier. Barack Obama's finally being called out, and it was called out on the pages of CNN. How can this be? Now, it should be pointed out, it wasn't written by the editors at CNN. It wasn't written by any of the uh, primary uh, you know, talents at CNN, Cuomo or uh, Don Lemon or anything like that. It was written by Scott Jennings. Scott Jennings, a CNN contributor, still is a former special assistant to President George W. Bush, former campaign advisor to Senator Mitch McConnell. He now runs, uh, he's a partner at Run Switch Public Relations in Louisville, Kentucky. And yes, they were clear to make uh, mention that the opinions expressed in this commentary are his own and not those of CNN. But they let it appear, which is a really, really amazing thing. We don't see that very often. And I feel it's worth sharing with you, because nobody else is talking about this, with the exception, possibly, of three individuals who need to be talking about this and will be talking about this. And I'm talking about the Inspector General, Mr. Horwitz. I'm talking about the Attorney General, Mr. Bill Barr. And I'm talking about the special federal, not special, the federal prosecutor, Bill Barr, has appointed to investigate the origins of the Mueller investigative team, John Durham. All three of those individuals are going to be filing reports very, very soon, soon public statements about how this entire witch hunt began and the illegality of it all. So I'm looking forward to all of those things. And they will probably be the only other three people mentioning the name Barack Obama because when they investigate the investigators, it's going to go back. It wasn't just rogue FBI agents. It wasn't just James Comey, the director. It wasn't just Loretta Lynch, the uh, attorney general at the time. All of this went on with the knowledge of Barack Obama. He knew about it, and that's what this article is all about. I'm going to share this with you to lead off. 
from the pages of CNN, believe it or not. The partisan warfare over the Mueller report will rage, but one thing cannot be denied. Former President Barack Obama looks just plain bad. On his watch, the Russians meddled in our democracy, while his administration did nothing about it. The Mueller report flatly states that Russia began interfering in American democracy in 2014. Over the next couple of years, the effort blossomed into a robust attempt to interfere with our 2016 presidential election. The Obama administration knew this was going on and yet did nothing. In 2016, Obama's National Security Advisor, Susan Rice, told her staff to, quote, stand down and, quote, knock it off as they drew up plans to strike back against the Russians. This according to an account from Michael Isakoff and David Korn. In their book, Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump. So why did Obama go soft on Russia? My opinion, writes um, Scott Jennings, my opinion is that it was because he was singularly focused on the nuclear deal with Iran. Obama wanted Putin in on that deal. And to stand up to him on election interference would have, in Obama's estimation, upset that negotiation. This turned out to be a disastrous policy decision. Obama's supporters claim he did stand up to Russia by deploying sanctions after the election to punish them for their actions. But according to the Washington Post, that's right, the liberal Obama-deifying Washington Post, approved a modest package with economic sanctions so narrowly targeted that even those who helped design them described their impact as, quote, largely symbolic. In other words, a toothless response to a serious incursion. But don't just take my word for it that Obama failed. Congressman Adam Schiff, who disgraced himself in this process by claiming collusion when Mueller found that no collusion existed, once said that, quote, the Obama administration should have done a lot more, end quote. The Washington Post, again, the liberal Washington Post, the anti-Trump Washington Post, reported that a senior Obama administration official said that they sort of choked in failing to stop the Russian government's brazen activities. And Obama's ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, said the punishment did not fit the crime about the weak sanctions rolled out after the 2016 election. A legitimate question Russia or Republicans rather are asking is whether or not the potential collusion narrative was invented to cover up the Obama administration's failures. Two years have been spent fomenting the idea that Russia only interfered because it had a willing colluding partner, Trump. Now that Mueller has popped that balloon, we must ask why this collusion narrative was invented in the first place. Given Obama's record on Russia, writes Scott Jennings at CNN, that's right, CNN, Given Obama's record on Russia, one operating theory is that his people needed a smokescreen to obscure just how wrong they were. They've blamed Trump. They've even blamed Mitch McConnell in some twisted attempt to deflect blame to another branch of government. Joe Biden once claimed McConnell refused to sign a letter condemning the Russians during the 2016 election. But McConnell's office counters that the White House asked him to sign a letter urging state electors to accept federal help in securing local elections, and he did. I guess I had failed to, I guess if I had failed to stop Russia from marching into Crimea, making a mess in Syria, and hacking our democracy, I'd be looking to blame someone else too. And of course, he's speaking of Obama here. 
But the Mueller report makes it clear that the Russian interference failure was Obama's alone. He was the commander-in-chief when all of this happened. In 2010, he and Eric Holder, the attorney general, declined to prosecute Julian Assange, who then went on to help Russia hack the Democratic National Committee's emails in 2016. He arguably chose to prioritize his relationship with Putin vis-a-vis Iran over pushing back against Russian election interference that had been going on for at least two years. If you consider Russian election interference a crisis for our democracy, then you cannot read the Mueller report, adding it to the available public evidence, and conclude anything other than Barack Obama spectacularly failed America. Subsequent investigations of this matter should explore how and why Obama's White House failed, and whether they invented the collusion narrative to cover up those failures. Absolutely explosive is the word I'll use. That's what this is on CNN.com, pointing the correct finger of blame at Barack Obama. Number one, all of this, without dispute, you cannot argue this, occurred under his watch. The Russian attempts to interfere began in 2014, by the way, long before Donald Trump ever declared his candidacy in the summer of 2015. The Russians were coming to try to interfere with our democracy, meaning our elections. Don't take that to mean we have a democracy. We do not. We have a representative republic, a constitutional republic. But the democratic ideals, the democratic principles of our vote, of course, is how we uh, run our elections. They attacked our democracy in that regard. And they started doing it long before Donald Trump was ever named a candidate or certainly won the nomination. Barack Obama was president when this began in 2014. He was president when it continued in 2015. He was president when it all came to a head in 2016, and he did nothing. Even after 2016, after the election in 2016 and before he left office, he imposed um, uh, very, very limited, toothless sanctions against Russia to say that wasn't nice. At, that's that's the best case scenario to describe Barack Obama's blame in all of this. The worst case scenario is indeed worse, far, far worse. The worst case scenario is that he was intricately involved in the actual staged coup of an incoming president. He worked very, very hard on behalf of Hillary Clinton. He worked very hard to make sure that his legacy would be protected by getting another Democrat elected after him. The third term of Obama was going to be guaranteed when Hillary Clinton was elected. He worked hard to make that happen. He also kind of took it for granted that it would. And once it went south and Donald Trump won, Barack Obama was right there, along with his DOJ leader, the Attorney General Loretta Lynch, along with James Comey at the FBI, and they began. Remember, in the election cycle... In the campaign, everything that you know about Christopher Steele's dirty dossier, everything that you know about Fusion GPS, everything that you know about Glenn Simpson, we have all learned these things in the last two years. They were all funded by the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign. And Barack Obama was right in the middle of both. So this is a huge, huge story and one that we're going to continue to follow up on and I will take your thoughts on. Because somebody said to me this morning, if Democrats are so excited about the fact that a former president can be indicted for crimes committed while president, 
And they're saying that in relation to Donald Trump. They're excited about the prospect that Donald Trump, when he's a private citizen, can face charges for things that he may have done as president. If they're excited about that, I wonder how they feel about the fact that that precedent doesn't just stop with the current president. That the last president could be indicted for crimes committed while in office as well. Get ready, Barack. Inspector General Horowitz is coming. So is John Durham. So is Bill Barr. So that's where we uh, start this morning. It's 21 minutes minutes after 9 o'clock. I see people on hold. I'll come to your phone calls in a free-for-all Friday right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 926, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. I called it a free-for-all Friday because I meant it. I'll go to your phone calls now. If you want to talk about the uh, Mueller testimony, we can do that. If you want to talk about the Obama angle, we can do that. I told you I've got another story from the Wall Street Journal that I'm going to share with you from Kimberly Strassel about what Mueller was truly trying to hide here. We can do that. But if you want to go into a different direction, that's the beauty of free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. So let's hit it. Uh, BJ in North Olmstead, you're on the air. Go right ahead, BJ. Thank you, Bob. I want to continue on uh, your line that you brought up about your surprise that CNN uh, kind of went after Barack Obama. I don't know if you've noticed in the last few days with these things heating up, particularly after the Mueller testimony, and you, you've been in the business long enough, a TV station and a radio station are not going to lose their business by, by going after the wrong subjects. They want to hold their customers. They want to hold their advertisers. They want to stay in business. I think you would agree with that. I would, yes. I feel very strongly that you're going to see less hostility toward the Trump administration because they are losing their customers. They are losing their viewers. They are losing their business. And all these brilliant people on CNN, MSNBC, and all the rest that are negative toward this country including the Democratic Party, are waking up to the fact that their popularity is waning because they are negative about everything in this country, everything about life, as a matter of fact. And when we see the violence against the police officers, when we see see a Democratic Party that's okay with the killing of babies, when they see they're uh, wanting people to come in uninhibited by borders, This negativity starts to wane on them, and my feeling is this. The news media is either going to be forced into being more truthful about what's going on, or they're going to go out of business. Now, I would like kind of a... I hope you stick on that subject a little bit and and make your audience more aware to to watch this, to see if this is not the case over particularly the month of August coming in, because we're coming into September and November which means well, we're going to be a year away from the next here's election. Here's my analysis of it, BJ. As much as I want to join your school of thought there and believe that that's true, that they're realizing they're losing money hand over fist, they're losing um, uh, American viewers, particularly patriotic American viewers and listeners and readers and so on and so forth, and they're going to go ahead and have to start covering things fairly, et cetera, et cetera, and give the president a fair shake, stop being so anti-everything having to do with Trump and patriotism and so on and so forth. While I want to believe you and want to agree with you, I don't. I think their ideology is so deeply rooted, it is they are willing to continue to double and triple down on that failing message, um, even if it costs them more and more customers. 
What is my basis of reference there? The Cleveland Plain Dealer. If you read the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and I don't read it in its hard copy, I used to. I have a lot of uh, people that I really respect in their sports department. But I read it by way of Cleveland.com, which is their online arm. If you read their articles, their editorials, their slanted coverage, their headlines, um, their their social media posts for Cleveland.com on Facebook and so forth, they are quadrupling, quintupling down on all of their anti-American and anti-Trump rhetoric. They are carrying the water for the Democrat Party like never before. And they're failing. They're dying. The plane dealer has what? They deliver only like three days a week now. Their circulation is in the toilet. Their ad revenue is in the toilet. They are cutting staff and laying people off, which, by the way, I feel bad about because all of these staff members aren't to blame for this. You know, it's this, it's the editorial directors. It is the editorial board that makes all of these decisions, and they're dying. And rather than saying, you know what, maybe we should change our business model so we can get more customers back and get more readers back and get more advertising back as a result, day to trash Trump, trash conservatives, trash Republicans, put trash articles together. They continue to do it on a daily basis. I'm on Facebook on the Cleveland.com commentary sections all the time calling them out for all of their Democrat water carrying. And they don't care that they're losing money. So if that that's just my my micro view of the macro problem you described or the issue you described. I don't think CBS, CNN, New York Times, I don't think any of them are going to change. Even if it's they're losing money hand over fist, losing customers, readers, viewers, or whatever the case might be, they are too dyed in the wool blue and 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 just so hardcore aligned with their progressive viewpoints that they will not even change it to make more money. Thanks for the call, BJ. That's my analysis. Back after this. All right, 936 onward. We roll the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, free for all Friday. Anything you want to talk about, we will talk about. If you want to talk about the Brown starting training camp, I can't stop you. It's free for all Friday. Obviously, I am locked in still on a number of issues uh, dealing with Capitol Hill and a few here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. But seriously, uh, anything you want to do is fair game on Free For All Friday until we have a guest at 1035. Let's go to uh, Lisa in Medina. I know Lisa in Medina. That's got to mean Lisa Woods because she represents Medina, (laughs) as in Medina County Friends and Neighbors, otherwise known as McFan. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. I'm great. I'm great. Thanks. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to... I wanted to tell you that we have Claire Lopez coming tomorrow. She'll be in Valley City at the Coppertown. Is it the fourth? Is it the first Saturday out. of the month already? It's the. Well, what is it? Is it the? Fourth? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I thought she didn't have another <laughs> meeting until next week. I lose track of the days sometimes. So tomorrow, Claire is in town. Yes, always the second and fourth Saturdays of the month. Just get a get a pencil and circle those fourth and. Uh, I'm sorry, now I'm messing it up. The second and fourth Saturdays of every month. All right, so you've got a great speaker. What's Claire going to be talking about tomorrow? You know, she's she's going to be talking about what she calls the rise of the princelings, and so it's about the um, the people that are now in office that are um, you know uh, second generation Muslims and uh, brotherhood types. So it should uh-huh. be a very, very interesting 
um, meeting. Um, well, and can't, I hope, can't, I hope can come out and hear her. Yeah, it can't be anything but interesting when Claire speaks. She is just so interesting. She is so brilliant. Uh, I have no idea, no doubt whatsoever that anything she talks about is going to be a great listen. So, uh, so that's good to know. And so that's tomorrow morning at eight thirty, right? Eight thirty is the t- start time. Yep. Eight thirty at-, at the Coppertop Golf Club on three hundred three in Valley City, right off uh, seventy one. Easy to get to. Yeah, very much so, and uh, and and a really really great get to have Claire there. In fact, I should probably get her back on the air soon. Uh, what else is going on? Well, you know, there's always stuff on the state school board, and I'm knee deep in that, and so I'm just really having fun juggling all the different important things that we've got to do here. Um, I, I, this is a crazy world; it's upside down, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show because it really helps me, you know, keep my finger on the pulse of what people are thinking and doing and so forth so i just i just love local talk radio it's the best well, i'm i'm really glad to be there to help uh provide that for you i will tell you while i help you uh keep your finger on the pulse it just makes my own head spin there's so many things going on uh, i mean really and, and obviously when you do have news from the school board that we need to be aware of uh lisa make sure you let me know so that we can have you on for that as well all right Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, as sure. always. And uh, again, 8.30 tomorrow at McFan, Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Go see and listen to Claire Lopez from the Center for Security Policy. She is brilliant, and she is all over the issue of the Islamists, not Muslims, Islamists, difference, uh, particularly with the respect to the Muslim Brotherhood in, the, uh, in this country and what they are up to. Listen to her. You will be smarter for it. Jeff in Beechwood. Uh, jo- oh, I just dropped it. I apologize. I hit the wrong button. Instead of answer, I clicked to disconnect. My apologies. Jeff in Beechwood, you want to call right back. We'll get you on the air. But I'm going to use that break uh, as an opportunity. I'm going to take advantage of my own mistake here. To get into the second article that I found extraordinarily important as it pertains to the Muslim, or Muslim, <laughs> The Muslim investigation, the Mueller investigation. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, Kimberly uh, Strassel's piece here in the Wall Street Journal, the Mueller investigation. Now, I'm not going to read the entire thing to you, but there are select sections that you need to hear. What Mueller was trying to hide is the headline. His investigation was about protecting the actual miscreants in the collusion hoax. In other words, it was as much about protecting the guilty as it was about pursuing the innocent. Donald Trump and his team, they were innocent. They did not collude with the Russians at all. And that was proven. But it wasn't just about trying to get him and them. It was about protecting those who were guilty of colluding and collaborating with Russians. Team Hillary. Fusion GPS, and so on. So that's what Kimberly writes about. And I'm going to give you the most select lines from this piece. The most notable aspect, she writes of the Mueller report, was always what it omitted, the origins of this mess. Christopher Steele's dossier was central to the FBI probe, the basis of many of the claims of conspiracy between Mr. Uh, the Trump campaign and Russia. Yet the Mueller authors studiously wrote around the dossier, mentioning it only in perfunctory terms. The report ignored Mr. Steele's paymaster, Fusion GPS, and its own ties to Russians. It also ignored Fusion's paymaster, the Clinton campaign, and the ugly politics behind the dossier hit job. Mr. Mueller claimed he couldn't answer questions about the dossier because it predated his tenure and the subject of a, 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 is the subject of a Justice Department investigation. These excuses are disingenuous. Nearly everything Mr. Mueller investigated predated his tenure. 
And there's no reason the Justice Department probe bars Mr. Mueller from providing a straightforward, factual account of his team's handling of the dossier. Again, quoting Kimberly Strassel in the Wall Street Journal today. As Florida Representative Matt Gates asked Mr. Mueller, how could a special counsel investigation into Russian interference have any credibility if it failed to look into whether the Steele dossier was itself disinformation from Russia, from Moscow? Mr. Steele acknowledges that senior Russian officials were the source of his dossier's claims of an extensive conspiracy. Given that no such conspiracy actually existed, Mr. Gates asked, Did Russians really tell that to Christopher Steele, or did he just make it up? And was he lying to the FBI? Mr. Mueller surreally responded, As I said earlier with regard to Steele, that is beyond my purview. (laughs) And so it went throughout the entire long day. Republicans asking basic questions about the report's conclusions or analysis, and Mueller dodging and weaving and refusing to answer uh, to... uh, uh, refused to avoid answering questions about the FBI's network, the dossier's role, and Fusion's involvement. Skipping ahead now. The special counsel's often befuddled testimony has predictably raised questions about how in control he was of the 22-month investigation or the writing of the report. Yet in some ways, it matters little whether or not it was Mr. Mueller calling the shots or the pit bull, Andrew Weissman, or Mr. Mueller's congressional minder, Aaron Zebley. All three spent years in the Justice Department FBI hierarchy, as did many of the other prosecutors and agents on the probe. That institutional crew, early on, made the calculated decision to shelter the FBI and the Justice Department and outside private sectors and leading Democrats from any scrutiny of their own potential involvement with 2016 Russian election interference. I'm going to read that line again because it's that important. That institutional crew of Mueller, Weissman, Zebley, and the rest of his team of lawyers who were Clinton loyalists and big Democrat donors, that institutional crew early on made the calculated decision to shelter the FBI and the Justice Department and outside private actors and leading Democrats from any scrutiny of their own potential involvement with 2016 Russian election interference. There was plenty of FBI, Justice Department, outside private actors, and leading Democrat involvement in colluding and collaborating with the Russians. Indeed, Russian misinformation or disinformation was included in the Steele dossier that led to the application and the uh, 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 the acquisition of a FISA warrant, FISA court warrant, to spy on the Trump team. And this Mueller investigation was just as much to protect them and to shield them from that knowledge and shield them from accountability for those actions as it was to get Trump. As it happens, they're batting 500 here. They didn't get Trump, but that was less important to them than shielding themselves, shielding these high-ranking Democrats going all the way up to the DOJ under Loretta Lynch and to the President of the United States, Barack Obama. This 22-month investigation, Kimberly Strassel concludes, and I'm using my words to paraphrase, this 22-month investigation 
was designed in part to get Donald Trump and to uh, use this as the quote-unquote failsafe or the insurance policy, as Peter Strzok described it, uh, to make sure even if Hillary doesn't win, we'll stop him from holding office. It was as much, it was part to get Trump, but it was as much to protect Obama and the Democrats who were involved in actual Russian election interference. She closes with, that's been the story all along. Mr. Comey hid his actions from Congress. The Justice Department and FBI worked overtime to obstruct Republican-led congressional probes, and Mr. Mueller and his team are clearly playing their own important role in hiding the truth. The Mueller testimony only highlights how important it is that Attorney General William Barr is finally pursuing accountability. Cannot tell you how important that story is. If you uh, would like to share this with other people, uh, again, follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Parler, and you can uh, read this story for yourself on the Wall Street Journal website and uh, through the link that I provide, and make sure you share that with everyone. It's really important to understand as we get into 2020. All right, back to the phones now. Jeff in Beachwood is on the line. Jeff, sorry I hung up on you before I go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad you read that thing by Jeff Strassel. I think she's absolutely correct. You know, I think we need to step back a little bit. We're looking at so much detail in the trees. We're losing the forest. Look what's happened here. An American citizen runs for president, runs by the rules, and wins legitimately in not a close election. The, the, the powers that be, the Democrat Party, refuses to accept the results, which Hillary Clinton said would be terrible if, if uh, it would undermine our entire constitutional system. Not only that... For two and a half years, they vilified the president. They've disgraced their, their, the disrespect that they've treated him. And then they, they managed to pull off a miracle and get this the prosecutor, Mueller, right? And they pack it with the worst, the smartest, probably all Harvard and Yale graduates, the smartest people, as if to say, well, we're going to really get to the bottom of this. And Republicans play along and say, okay, okay, and we will accept the results. Then the results come back, not the way they want. And they mm-hmm. still don't accept it. So in other words, there are no laws, there are no rules. Whatever they want is what they got to get. And if they don't, they will destroy this democracy and this country and bring it, bring it all down. And the Republicans are not squawking. They're not saying a damn word. As if just let's get this over with so we can get back to business. As if nothing's been going on. I don't know that I would agree with the last part. I think everything was spot on until the last part. There are a lot of Republicans squawking about it, including Jordan. Not enough. Who, who, not well. Yeah, but well, I mean, especially, especially, especially though, you know, I mean, as he and also, um, who was who? Do you, who yesterday uh, essentially stormed out after uh, the uh, uh, oversight committee went ahead and subpoenaed all of the members of Trump's family, his personal family. Now, this this happened yesterday, and I can't remember which Republican member gave but, a scathing but, but, commentary the and then the stormed, point, out the, uh, stormed out of the stormed uh, out of the of the hearing. Uh, but the main point is this: every single day, we should be focusing. On this, they are undermining the very fabric and and, uh, design of the Constitution in this country. They refuse to accept any rules if they they don't go in their favor. They they say, the rules, the rules, the rules, only if the rules work for them. And it's clear already. It's like, we've got to stop fighting with Marcus of Queensbury rules when we're fighting against people who are playing with knives and guns. 
Well, I agree with that. Uh, you know what's funny is, is, is it's funny you're using that, we're using that, and that's the same language that Scarborough, Joe Scarborough on uh, on MSNBC used for them, saying we need to start stop fighting by Marcus of uh, Queens Queensberry rules and and get down in the gutter with these guys, as if they are not the ones who live in the gutter on the regular. Um, by the way. Uh, I want to hit again what I was just talking about. Jim Jordan, I think, spoke for all Republicans and specifically for at least 40 of them in the, uh, in the, uh, Freedom Caucus when he screamed about, um, uh, uh, well, not screamed, but I mean, you know, forcefully pointed out there was already a 10 month congressional investigation. There was a 22 month Mueller investigation and they all came back with the same thing. They all came back saying no collusion and no obstruction can be proven. So why are the Democrats continuing to investigate instead of getting back to the business of the people? Let's start talking about infrastructure, border security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is exactly what happened. Uh, so he's screaming about it. And then again, yesterday, just to almost prove the point uh, uh, of what Jordan was saying, Democrats announced the subpoenaing of all Trump family members so they can drag them back in there and go over the same doggone ground that has already been traveled and in order to try to find something to charge somebody with because they just will not accept the results. They will not accept the facts when they are presented right to their face. And, I, and again, I'll find it. In fact, let me take a time out now so I can search for it. Uh, there was one Republican who just had had enough and yesterday called out the chairman, called out the Democrats on the committee. He was rebuked by them, but essentially said, this is ridiculous. You just will not take no for an answer. No, there was no collusion. You gave it your best shot. Now stop it and get on. Uh, get on with the business of the people. And it's my sincere and fervent hope and belief that the people see it too. And the people will respond in kind at the ballot box. 951 back after this. Well, I got good news and bad news. Good news is everything I said is right. Bad news is I don't have the uh, audio. I, I listened to it last night, uh, and I uh, and I just cannot recall the name of the GOP uh, member of the Oversight Committee who uh, uh, stormed out, essentially, in uh, complaints about uh, the subpoenaing of... Uh, of uh, Trump family members, Ivanka Trump, his daughter, and Jared Kushner, specifically subpoenaing them for their personal emails and texts. They just will not let this die. Representative Elijah Cummings uh, from Maryland, the panel's chairman, said the committee obtained, quote, direct evidence that the president's daughter, Kushner, and other top aides were using personal accounts for official business in violation of federal law and White House policy. This is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. The Democrats now are coming after Trump, Ivanka Trump, and Jared Kushner for using private email accounts, which, by the way, were on public servers, not private servers that could be controlled and then bleach bit and destroyed the way Hillary Clinton did. They, they completely signed off on Hillary and her exoneration, if you will, her, the refusal of Comey to want to charge her, the refusal of Loretta Lynch to charge her, but now they're actually coming at Trump uh, Ivanka, that is, and Jared Kushner. Elijah Cummings said, What we do not yet know is why these White House officials were attempting to conceal these communications. Adding the White House has refused to provide a single piece of paper this year in response to this investigation. 
He said that Ivanka Trump has used private email accounts for official business while her husband has used the messaging application WhatsApp. Uh, former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon also used private accounts for personal business, Cummings said. Uh, Republicans called the subpoenas unnecessary and said Ivanka Trump and Kushner are cooperating with the committee already. The subpoenas were approved 23 to 16 on a party line vote. Cummings also announced that the House Oversight Committee would postpone a vote on whether to recommend that White House counsel uh, Kellyanne Conway be held in contempt of Congress as talks continue with the Trump administration over the Hatch Act. That's one of the most ridiculous things to ever come down the line, too. The committee's investigation, or excuse me, uh, I want to go back to, yeah, in her time as the uh, Secretary of State, top diplomat for the United States from 2009 to 2013, Hillary Clinton sent thousands of emails using not just a private email account, a private server, big difference for those who don't know tech, set up at her home in Chappaqua, New York. The FBI found classified information in some of the emails that were sent or received on the non-government system. But federal authorities, led by James Comey and Loretta Lynch, refused to pursue charges against her. So yesterday, when they were making this uh, announcement of subpoenas and having this vote, there was some objection. Naturally, it came from somebody who continues to fight for right, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman Jordan, the, the ranking member of the Oversight Committee for the Republicans, said Democrats were just simply frustrated after they failed so spectacularly on Wednesday with Bob Mueller's testimony, failed to generate momentum to impeach Donald Trump, so they were using subpoenas now purely for politics. They had to find something else to fall back on, and this was it. He also clashed with one of the squids, I'm sorry, squad, uh, Representative Sharia Tlaib from uh, Dearbornistan, Michigan, during the hearing when she suggested that Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner no longer have an expectation of privacy. She, they should not have any expectation of privacies as senior White House uh, advisors, which is news to everyone because that is not the way Obama ran his White House. They were, there was an expectation of privacy, and as a matter of fact, they defended that fiercely, which is why... Hillary Clinton, in her private email server, free of government oversight, free of national security oversight, why she was not charged or prosecuted for having it. She was allowed to have that privacy because what did she say? Well, so many of those emails were just about wedding plans for Chelsea and and what was it? Scheduling tennis or something of that? No, no, tennis, I think, was the Loretta Lynch tarmac with Bill Clinton. But at any rate, oh, no, talking about grandkids, that's what it was. Anyway, Jordan, who served on the House Benghazi panel, was among the sharpest critics of Hillary Clinton's private server, and he pointed out very directly and clearly and correctly that Hillary Clinton refused to cooperate with federal authorities in that investigation. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner already are. All right, 10 o'clock news time. We'll come right back on AM 14. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.